0: This is The Neutral Position, hosted by Nick Palmishano, bringing honesty and reason back into conversation. Here's your host, Nick Palmishano.
1: I want to take a quick moment to thank one of our sponsors. When the founders of Ugly Chews reached out to sponsor the program and I looked at their website and saw the chews, I have to tell you, I thought ugly chews were appropriately named. They're very ugly, and your dog chews on them nailed it. Then the samples arrived and I realized they are not named correctly. They are far, far uglier than the word ugly lets on. They're hairy. They're not artificially colored, they're gross. But you know who didn't find them gross? My athletic body with a dumb face that won't let him breathe Boston Terrier Rufus. Rufus can't get enough of them. Instead of sitting around slobbering and struggling to breathe, he sits around slobbering on an ugly chew while he struggles to breathe. He loves the damn things. These uglier than ugly chews are healthy. There are no artificial ingredients. There are no chemicals. It's just disgusting, horrific nature wrapped up in an ugly sun-dried chew. And in addition to being good for your dog's digestion, these things don't fall apart and get soggy like rawhide. I hate to say it because they're so damn ugly, but they're the best thing to happen to dogs since man let wolves get close to the fire and domesticated them. And if you're not happy with them, ugly chews gives you your Money back. So if you want to make your dog happy and healthy, go to uglychews.com. That's right, uglychews.com. Hey guys, I'm Nick Palmashano, and this is the neutral position. Today I have the man, the myth, the legend. Michael Rod Rodriguez. He is a lover, he is a fighter. Rod, why don't you introduce yourself?
0: Um, I'm just, just a regular hombre, man, and my name is Michael Rodriguez. Most people call me Rod. I was in the Army for about 21 years, uh, and uh, I have the uh, uh, definitely undeserved honor right now to, le- to be the president and CEO of the Global War on Terrorism Memorial Foundation, which is the congressionally designated nonprofit that is tasked with building a uh, national GWAT memorial in our nation's capital.
1: The way that you say your last name is very like Antonio Banderas. Like, it's like, <laughs> I get pulled in. You're like, Rodriguez. You know, and it's like, I'm just leaning in. Tell me more. And that soft, supple way that you speak. It's amazing.
0: Ah, well, um, a lot of practice.
1: Tell, talk a little bit about what you're doing right now. So it is incredibly rare to have a war memorial being built so quickly after the end of a war. You uh, know, And in, in fact... You were having it built, you know, going through the process of having it built before the war was even over. How do you how do you get there? Talk about how you've arrived at this moment.
0: You know, the foundation was started in 2015 when a group of veterans and and family members came together and realized in order to to build a memorial. Obviously, it's a long and arduous process. The way I describe what it is I do, if you can imagine the most complex building project um, imaginable that everybody has input on in the most controlled real estate in the nation and then add 20 layers of bureaucracy and politics that's kind of what we do so um, that sounds re- terrible it's it's uh it's a challenge but I, I enjoy it I, I thrive in a chaotic environment uh, just you know it's it just you know there's something I, I picked up after 21 years in, in the military but um, came together to to do this and um, the reason for that was because you know really this this war really has no forecast at any sight so yes all right so we're not in afghanistan anymore correct right uh i think secretary austin signed the uh, stopped, uh signed the uh the paperwork that we stopped giving the national defense medal right mm-hmm. in last year however yeah. the, the war is still going on two weeks ago we still had men and women and uh, did a hit in a cave complex in, in somalia to capture an isis uh actually yeah. took out uh, an isis leader and ten others uh three weeks ago we still had men and women uh conducting operations in in syria so is the war really over no because today the medal the global war on terrorism service medal and the global war on terrorism expeditionary medal are still being given Mm. you know and that's a lot of people think the war is over but i challenge anyone that says that to tell the men and women that are out there serving and fighting and and hunting them down so we're still doing it in a time of conflict um but if you look at the uh, first generation like our senior leaders well, when we deployed, when the war started uh, in 2001, you know, a lot of them are 60s and 70s. They may never yeah. see this memorial. My grandfather's passed away before they saw the World War Two Memorial. Um, so we're, we're actually doing it right. We're doing it at the right time because the question I asked, them, why are you doing it now? I said, well, when should we do it? Yeah, really when? So that's a little bit more more on that. You know, of course, it's my 24-7, 365, so I have a lot of different uh, aspects and looks at it, but it's extremely important right now to recognize and honor the brave men and women that have served, are serving and guess what will serve mm-hmm. in our nation's longest war, yep. you know, cause if we don't honor them, um, who's, who's gonna, who's gonna fight for us.
1: Do you have a, uh, development background?
0: Uh, development, you mean like fundraising background? No, or I mean development
1: like, like building
0: something. No, no, outside of like, uh, you know, um, humanitarian projects I was involved in building schools and roads and bridges and, no not at all
1: do you have a political background
0: absolutely not i i'm proud that i'm not really a politics kind of guy
1: so how do you end up in this role ah
0: so i met the founders in 2016. i'm not one of the founders um and this was before the uh enabling legislation was passed so i was speaking at an event and they're like hey rod we need help i'm like well where are you what are you guys doing and i'm like wow that's it's brilliant I, i absolutely what can i do so i joined the board in 2016. And then we had to get uh, passage, we had to get an exemption from a law, the Commemorative, Work, Commemorative Works Act of 1986 states that a war has to be over for a period of 10 years in order for a national war memorial to be built. Now, I don't fault anybody for writing that law at that time. You know, no one could have forecast it would be in a multi-generational conflict sure. with no end in sight. Sure. So we had to seek an exemption, which means you have to pass a bill. I, I got involved because they asked me to help. I'm like, sure, uh, I'll try, sure, it, absolutely. So we introduced the bill in 2017, it, uh, to seek an exemption um, swept through the house and senate president trump signed it in august of that year at that point it became like oh my gosh this beautiful idea now we got to do it um, fortunately at that time you know i was uh i was working for president bush in fiscal capacity is, is on the city and advisory council and um, I made a few phone calls to, to the boss and some of the folks down there in, in Texas, you know, down in Texas. And I'm like, Hey, uh, can
1: you say Texas again? And that Rodriguez, <laughs> <word>?
0: <laughs> there you go. But, <laughs> Thank you. uh, Thank you. um, you know, and I said, Hey, look, I'm going to need some help. I mean, am I the, I asked am I the right guy? I mean, what, what do you guys, what do you think? So then like sure, Rod will help. We believe in this mission as well. So uh, I stepped in a leadership role in 2018 and they just kind of built the team that, that we have today
1: i find that i find that interesting and i you know obviously know this about you already but um you know you talk to a lot of people about you know kind of getting things done and inspiring people to to make something of themselves um talk a little bit about you know you were in a situation where you literally have no experience like no experience whatsoever Um, And you've been successful thus far in getting this project that most people would think, you know, this is a a bridge too far. It's the kind of thing people talk about, bitch, about, you know, oh, somebody should do this. (laughs) But like, but you did it. Talk about how a person gets into that mindset, because everybody I know that's done anything cool, they had no fucking idea what they were doing, walking into it. They had to figure it out. So. How do you approach these things?
0: So yes, I have no idea how to do this, you know. And when you really think about like building a national, I mean who wakes up one day and be like, Hey, this is a goal I have in life. I want to do this someday. Nobody, Kelsey does. I can't. Kelsey, oh, well, Kelsey does. It wouldn't surprise me, you know. <laughs> she looks like she could do it. <laughs> with the glasses, yeah. So
1: we we want everyone to know that those glasses do not help with anything. They are just fashion glasses Why would you for give show. The no, they are they fashion have... glasses for show.
2: I want everybody out there to understand this. These make you look sophisticated. They make you look like you are somebody of.
1: Can I try great them on? Importance. Can I try them on? I want to see if it ha- if it works for back. me. I, I want to see. Give I'm gonna them. give you your glasses back. We're gonna go around. We'll see who. All right. Are you ready? Uh, no.
0: See? Sorry, <laughs> no bro. No. no. Do I look? so?
1: No?
2: I think it's the mm-hmm. color of them. You need like a... You need
1: a black. All right, yeah, hold on. Well, hold on. Okay. Hold oh, on. Hold to... on. Let's on see. You
0: know he's going to be a Let's see. No, Let's no, see. No, he's going to pull it. Oh,
1: this is my damn. Color. It looks
0: amazing. Yeah, no, <laughs> that,
1: that, <laughs> that looks amazing. That looks amazing.
0: You didn't even have to try them on for this me to This is bullshit.
1: This is bullshit. No more No more distinguished gentlemen on this show.
0: Just remember, for $49.95, four consecutive $1,800 Diesel Jack Media. You can own a pair of these glasses. It's very old.
1: Yeah, get your
2: very own today from me.
1: So, so, you know, um, so we're building you up right now, but I I do want to talk about maybe the most traumatic thing that's ever happened to you. And and of course, I'm talking about the incident at Disney World uh, where uh, a young lady walked up to you.
0: Oh my gosh! This one—I did not think that was a traumatic story. I know I was building I, it up. See, <laughs> oh this God. is
1: this is what we call entertainment.
0: <laughs> See, because because you're
1: a war veteran, everyone you know assumed it was going to be something about war, and we're going to talk about Disney World. This is entertainment, Rod. This is what we're trying all to right, do here. All right. So here, let's pretend that we didn't just do that.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay. So
1: talk talk about the most traumatic story that you've ever had, and of course, I'm talking about <laughs> Disney World.
0: So, uh, earlier in the year, I was, you know, at Disney World at, at SVA's NatCon. And was it dark? You know, it was. And no. stormy day. Uh, <laughs> it was actually beautiful <laughs> outside. And uh, actually, I think I was wearing this. Jared suit, this Lyon motorcycle. looked amazing. <laughs> As always, I was. Um, His hair so, was perfect? Absolutely. Yep. So, I happened to be um, in the store, you know, picking up uh, a beverage, like some water yep. um, uh, to drink. You know disney world has characters right they have their cast members just around and you know people will look at me sometimes you know i I get my eyes a different color whatever right it's just people stare at me for different reasons and i'm okay with that um this family was staring at me and staring at me and i'm just like okay cool no big deal um and the mother walks over to me and she had her children right behind her and she's like sir we're sorry to interrupt you we just we just can't figure it out i'm like um what ma'am she goes we're trying to figure out which Disney villain you are. We just can't figure it out. And I'm like, ma'am, I am so sorry to disappoint you. I'm a guest at this hotel. I, 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 I appreciate you thinking I'm going to look like a Disney villain. Uh, those are cool villains. I don't know, but uh, I'm sorry it's so to disappoint. Amazing. Yeah, so that happened.
1: It's so amazing. And I know your delivery was just like straight-faced. Yeah. Did yeah. she die? I
0: smiled. Oh, yeah, she and her kids were giggling their butts off, man. They thought it was hilarious. They thought it was the funniest thing. I, I would
1: have said like a young Jafar. You know? maybe Captain
2: Hook, but he, I know. He Captain have, Hook. Well, I just get that look. I get that vibe from him. Like Pirate. you yeah, okay. a pirate. pirate. I could, You're, I, but to I, me, that's the equivalent of, of going up sh- to me. a woman and asking, are you pregnant? How far along are you? If She's not even pregnant. I would be so embarrassed. I'd have to leave the park. If I came up to you and asked you that.
0: <laughs> you know, you know, honestly, I, you know, looking at it, because people do stare sometimes, you know, actually I appreciate it. You know, I think it was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, oh, all, right, awesome. cool. It was like awesome. all right, cool. Um, yeah. It's like, all right, cool. Yeah. You do have
1: player. like the coolest scar possible. Like it, there isn't a, a, a cooler scar mm. than the scar that you have. You know, you, uh, you actually spoke. My, my son is a, uh, uh, a Lieutenant and, uh, and you spoke at, he was doing uh, gold bar recruiting at UNC for a little while. And he, he's at Benning now, but you spoke at UNC yeah. and uh, he came home and he was like, he, this guy was amazing and he had this cool scar and like, like, he's just talking like you were like a big deal to all the guys there. And I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I know Rod, like we've spoken at a few events and he's like, no, no dad, he's like really good at speaking. And I was like, I hate you. (laughs) So you did a great job. You, you inspired the next generation of UNC lieutenants to, you know, to be better uh and you inspired one woman to ask you you know which disney villain so like that's that's 50 50 that's solid it it is
0: though that's legit if i'm inspiring anybody i i like to think i'm giving people the opportunity to 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 engage or to no man you inspire people because
1: i've had to follow you i think what three times i think like three times i had to come like right after you
0: Oh, he destroyed you at the leadership uh, thing. Oh, and, uh, he crushed. Yeah, he just. In Illinois. Yeah, he, he, he shot me.
1: He, yeah, he, he crushed it. Like at the end, people are like crying and stuff, and I have to get up there. I was like, "Come on, man, put somebody boring in front. Like, let's get a politician up there. Can we? Can we have a? But no, it's three times this guy in front of me, and it's like. You know, he land, he, he finishes with like, we didn't land on Sherwood Forest, Sherwood Forest, <laughs> you know, people are cheering and you probably, if you don't get that reference, you're not old like, uh, like I am. Uh, us, it's, us. I <laughs> What's I that? I got the Plymouth, yeah, if Plymouth something,
2: it's, mind, it's, I won't even go
1: there. It's Robin it. Hood, Men in Tights. Yeah, Men in Tights. Old movie. Yeah. I have not. Yeah, he, seen. he redid the, the Malcolm X, uh, speech, but it was about, but it was about,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: Robin Hood. Because it was a Robin Hood movie. Mm -hmm. But it was a A comedy. It was a comedy. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: We should just cue
0: the movie (laughs) (laughs) down. Lend me your ears. That's disgusting.
1: Anyway, um, one of the things that I find really interesting about you is you maneuver through very different groups effectively, like more effectively than just about anybody I've ever seen. Um, And you've been close to people in power for a long time and maneuvered through that. And you're you're well trusted. Talk about how you do that. And I don't mean like from some kind of like because I don't I don't think you're anything but genuine. I don't think you sit back and build a map of how you're going to influence people but you do influence people like you have the ear of a lot of people how do you do that what is your approach
0: um i I think it's pretty simple for me um is uh, no relationships i have are transactional Mm. i don't have any transactional Mm -hmm. relationships i really don't you know um i have always valued personal relationships over professional all the time and you're right i do know quite a few i guess powerful whatever someone would consider powerful whether that be influential or an individual of political uh, influence, or yep. an individual of, of uh, you know, with a lot of a lot of dinero, you know, what, yeah, whatever. Yeah, but yeah. I don't look at them any different. I don't what was treat. That? What was
1: that last word? A lot of what? Dinero. Gracias. Dinero. A lot of cash. Gracias. Yeah,
0: um, but I don't, I don't treat them any differently. I treat everybody the same. Um, and. You know, I'm not saying I'm like, holy crap, that's so-and-so. I, I respect everyone's uh, position in life, but I also respect people that nobody knows, and I want to talk to them and find out about them. Because if you talk to everyday American, uh, everyday individuals probably got an amazing story themselves. So mm-hmm. I treat everyone the same, but really, if, to circle back to what I started with, is uh, I don't have any transactional relationships. And when someone enters into a transactional relationship with me, or tries to, yeah. um, then I know who they are, and yeah. I know where to place them in my yeah. life.
1: I feel like I literally live my life exactly the same way. And I have friends that give me a little bit of crap for it because they're like, you know, you should go talk to this guy. He could really help you. <laughs> like, Hey, I've, I've talked to this guy and like nothing against him or her, but like we're not on the same wavelength. Like we don't, I, I cannot pretend to like somebody Yeah. for any reason. I just can't do it. And and if you don't like somebody, if you don't agree with how they live their life, I don't mean about issues. I mean, fundamentally, the way this person is, is not the way that I am. It's a waste of both of our time, right. And it, it does become transactional. It's like, you know, you need this. I need this. I, I go into every relationship where I, if I'm your friend and you need something, I help you. Mm-hmm. I expect nothing in return ever. Period. If you help me sometime in the future, that's awesome. And I appreciate that as your friend, but you don't owe it to me because right. I helped you at some point. And as, as soon as that changes, it, it really is weird. It's like, okay, I, so you're keeping score. I'm not keeping score.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I just think that it's a different relationship. So I, I, I'm really, I'm really happy to hear you say that. So you think, you know, you essentially just have genuine relationships. And because of that, those people have helped you along the way.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I've never and I don't ask for anything, you know, um, I just try to give people opportunities to be involved in something, you know, um, if I believe in something, a mm-hmm. wholeheartedly, I, I, I'm going to share it with those. But I don't. I, I mean, it's just uh, I don't look at anyone and no one has. Everyone has the same value in my life right doesn't matter what their background is certainly mm-hmm. i value everyone's input i value what they have to offer um and if they're involved in something then then that's great and, and the other thing too the, the the hard reality of that is like not everything i'm involved in i can bring everybody i know in right and that's that's yeah. the hard truth right like you run a you, you you've been incredibly successful as, as a as a veteran or entrepreneur, entrepreneur i mean i think you set the standard for it but you know your teams grow over time nothing against people you work with or you don't work with anymore yeah but Things grow and, and change over yeah, time, you course. know. Um, and a lot of that, I think, for me, comes from like the, the army background, right? Like it's, hey, mission first, man. We got to do this. No, no offense, no, no harm, no foul. But it's just you're not the right person for this mission. Mm-hmm. And I use this analogy quite frequently because a lot of people are like, hey, Rod, I want to help. I want to do this. i want to do that. I'm like, well, you know, m- well, I don't know if I have a role for that right now. Yeah. I don't know if I have a spot for that right now. And the analogy I like to use, like, look, I was a sniper for a number of years. If I was given a sniper mission as an SO, whether Three, four five six seven day uh so uh mission to go conduct you know some reconnaissance whatever it is whatever whatever that job with that sniper team was i'm not gonna grab my breacher right yeah it doesn't know anything about it yeah. you're phenomenal what you do maybe we'll need you at some point but i need a sniper yep so that's what would take on the yep. mission with me um and it's it's just uh it's challenging sometimes and if someone takes offense to that then do they really care about the mission anyway or do they just want to be there? Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. That's that's been a common issue that we've had, for example, with, with the Save Our Allies a nonprofit that I'm involved in mm-hmm. is, you know, for example, in Ukraine, you know, sending people to help out there. Lots of people wanted to help. And it's like, hey, I was an infantryman. Hey, I, I was this. I was that. And the people that we actually needed were very specialized. You know typically like relationship building so that meant special forces maybe with some intelligence background like a very but a very specific tiny group of people um and people were offended and it's like hey bro don't be like i'm not qualified that's why i'm not the one that's going there like i we're looking for people that have a very you know a very particular set of skills Mm -hmm. Um and because you are great at one thing doesn't necessarily mean that that this is the mission for you. Now, when the mission changes, like you're the right person. But yeah, it is it's hard to navigate that, especially when you like people. You're yeah. like, I wish I had a role for you. Yeah. I find that a lot. It's like, yeah. man, this guy's incredibly talented. I wish there was a spot for him, but I don't have it right now. Right. But going back to kind of the relationship building and how you navigate things. So I think like young people that are watching this show, they're constantly told that to be successful, you have to network. And I think watching, you know, when I when I was at grad school, watching what people thought was networking, I found almost offensive. Now, I don't really get offended, so I don't mean it like that. But if somebody walked up to me the way these young people walked up to the places where they were trying to get employed, it's so fake it's so, like the small talk is so canned, it's all bullshit. Mm -hmm. You're a very effective networker. What advice would you give to people that are trying to network, that want to do it the way that you do it?
0: Um... yeah but like to so talk about like the networking things I've been to and stuff yeah it's like speed dating right like it, from, from yeah, back in the it, day it I remember is, like you sit at a table five minutes and you, it's it's very it's very uh again and again it goes back to what I was talking about, It's transactional like you got to sell yourself and, and I understand the need for that 30 second 90 second 60 second elevator yeah. speech right you have to you have to master that yeah. and, and get that down but um, I think you just got to be genuine and understand that just because you're talking with someone doesn't mean that they owe you anything Right. And when you talk to someone, anybody, when the first 10, 15, 20 seconds of a conversation with someone, you can kind of get a vibe off them. Right. So if you just go into uh, a situation where you meet people, treat everybody the same and just say, hey, this is who I am. Hey, this is what I'm interested in. Um, what do you what are you guys up to? And just just be genuine. Then that person is probably going to remember that as opposed to, hey, let me put this in your pocket. Hey, let me let me sell you this. Look, this is what I'm interested in. This is what I have. Um, And just be genuine and understand that nobody will do anything first of all right um you know and and you're you should take advantage the opportunity just to be there just just be genuine i don't don't think that's the the easiest answer for for people to hear but that's you Mm -hmm. know that's if 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 i'm if i'm a networker i I never really thought of myself as that but it's it also doesn't happen overnight i mean people understand that like no one knows who you are until you have achieved something, they're like, wow, he did it overnight. Oh, yeah, sure. (laughs) Yeah, nothing against, you know, uh, anything else. So your reputation is extremely important. You know, you can reach back. Anybody can reach back to everything I've done since I joined the army or even reach out and talk to my childhood friends, whatever. I'm the same person. Um, So if I've achieved anything by becoming a networker, I'm just, I'm just genuine. I just try to realize that and nobody owes me nothing. And I get that from my abuelita, my grandma, you know, both of them. They'd be like, nobody owes you anything. You know, mijo, yeah. you just you do the best you can. Be, be a good person. Yep. Um, try to help other people if you can. You There's know. another thing that you do, Rod. It doesn't matter who the person is. You treat them like they're just as worthy as anyone else.
1: For those of you hearing this mellifluous voice off in the distance, that's... Hollywood heard that is a hundred percent well, true.
0: Well, hermano, um, uh, you know, Hollywood, my, my hermano over here. Um, if if I do that, it's because I know what it's like to be treated less than. Mm. You know, I think everybody's mm. been in a position like that in their life, and, and nothing feels worse than when someone treats you less than or yeah. they're better than you. Yep. And you know, just lay it out there. And I, my My operational environment is currently right now was inside the beltway here in DC, you know, and I get that all the time Mm
1: -hmm. and that's fine.
0: I'm cool with it, but I will never treat anyone like that because I respect them. I respect individuals for who they are, what they have to offer, because I don't know, I don't, I don't know them, but I would love to get the opportunity to. And there's no reason to treat people. Absolutely not. No, there's no reason. No.
1: Like, you know, Mm uh, I mean, you can tell people like, Hey, I'm not interested in this thing. You can tell people, you know, but there is really no reason that is purely for your own ego. Yeah. And just as a general rule, when I see people do that, like, I want nothing to do with them. Yeah. I I want, it's the equivalent of going on a date and they treat the waiter like crap. You're like, I'm out, I'm out. You know, you just stand up right there. Yeah. I can't do this. I
0: used to get upset when people (laughs) were under, like, not realize what what we have, what we're bringing to the table, like the whole being underestimated thing. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell? But then I realized some years ago, I'm like, man, that's a strength. I would love for someone. I mean, you know, I mean, you, you, yeah. we both train in the combat sports, man. I would, I love it when someone thinks they're going to beat the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. Just come on, bring it, you know? So it, it's actually to an advantage. So, so people that are trying to, to make it in the world, whether younger people or yeah. veterans transitioning, um, it's okay to be underestimated use yep. that look at that as an advantage and then that gives you the opportunity if they think you're down here yes once you show them that you're up here they are gonna be like, holy crap yeah I I made a mistake this person <laughs> can do this yeah um and 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 you're gonna far far surpass any any expectations that
1: is my favorite especially now that I'm older is when <laughs> you know like nogi day so young guy walks in yoked you know looks at looks at the old guy and is like yeah let's go and and it just doesn't go their way and they're like you know
0: yeah are you talking about
1: the time that you slammed me uh <laughs> <laughs> you know, well so is. off <laughs> off, off camera right now we have dan <coughs> mercer. dan mercer was a uh, was a elite basketball player in college and played in China where else did you Australia. play Australia Australia and China so he's he's good I mean, at the basketball the lowest
0: level of uh, like I check don't the box say that pro don't ball. say that guy a paycheck to play basketball that, there's no hey, way to validate that don't ever say that hey. just let it go yeah
1: yeah i mean hey you were a pro basketball player true. i was not this might surprise some of you i was not a pro basketball player uh, so we uh, we had like a very martial day so our holiday party this year was uh, Not like anybody else. <laughs> we we <laughs> yeah, shot uh from like nine a.m. to noon and then we, we had lunch and then we did uh jujitsu for like four hours and then we shot played pool and drank beer. That was our holiday party. Um and Mercer so first of all, she's crazy. <laughs> <Yes>. She <laughs> she she grapples like uh like if you gave would you call yourself no it Dan, the,
2: i thought gave me that
1: yeah well she was like you know you know the, the spider monkeys when they, they they had the claws and they just like, <laughs> and going around and, and because all of a sudden body. she'd be on the floor and then all of a sudden she'd be on someone's shoulder yeah like she she, know, was like a she was she was nuts so that's so which was good i say that in a in a positive way but anyway so mercer we're um, we're rolling and mercer's like hey i like can we just like go for it on this one Something like that. You said something like that. Like, Hey, can we just go for it? Cause he's like, you know, he's an athlete and he's like, I want to, I want to, so he, so he's like, all right, let's, like if, and young. If, I'm like if that's I said I will meet your energy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a good one.
1: And that's what happened. Yeah. And a few seconds later I was like I am really sorry. I threw you too hard and he was like no I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, I like it. I like it. So <laughs> it takes a lot of time, effort and resources to make the neutral position. And we couldn't do it without our sponsors. In 2016, a vet named Jason Murph slid into my DMs to talk about the seasoning he had created for grilling meats. I gave him some advice on marketing and he sent me some samples of his new brand with a donkey on each bottle emblazoned with the words, grill your ass off. Fast forward seven years, I'm at a charity event for veterans and who's the headline sponsor? None other than grill your ass off. He still has the amazing seasoning that started it all, but now he's got condiments, beef jerky, incredible sauces, and even gear. Grill Your Ass Off won the American Freedom Fund Veteran Small Business of the Year Award and is committed to giving back to veteran causes and mentoring veteran entrepreneurs. The one downside? After using these incredible seasonings, you will be assless. That was a dad joke. You see, the product is called Grill Your Ass Off. So you know, you grill and then boom, ass gone. No? You don't like that? Okay, well, anyway, check them out at grillyourassoff.com. That's grillyourassoff.com. Great taste, great company, great cause, no ass. Use NP-15 at checkout for 15% off at grillyourassoff.com. That's November Papa One Fiverr. But you, you train combat sports with your kids.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I do the same thing. Why do you do it?
0: Ah oh, man, um, I, so part of my my philosophy as a father, I I believe that all children, all my boys, all three of the three of the monsters, um, I encourage them to play a sport. I'm like, I want you to do something. I really really want yep. you to do something athletic. Um, but I want you to do something you want to do. You know, I had I, I played soccer as a kid, and then I I, I boxed. Right, mm-hmm. is what I did. But I didn't want to force that onto them but I said look you're going to do something because you know the human body is where, where a we're whole concept right I mean you, you need to be physically fit yeah it helps provide clarity of thought then you can any any intellectual engagements you're going to be involved in are going to be that much better so I've pushed that. I mean, if there's one thing I've pushed, it's that we're going to do something. Um, and then, uh, you know, my oldest son—if there—if I have a clone, I, I sometimes I feel sorry for him. Uh, it's my oldest son, uh, Antonio Monster One. Um, I knew he was because he knew I, I trained, and so he started. He started training at the Rock Gym in Fayetteville mm. and got into the. That's kick a great. Oh, phenomenal! I yep. mean, I could, see, I could talk yep. forever about how amazing that place is. So he started there. He got into that. My other two sons. Um, got into gymnastics and they were like gymnasts gymnastics for awesome. six years seven years nothing um, teaches
1: you how to move your body oh better,
0: the body awareness you know? the strength to weight ratio we got, got
1: a gymnast at the end of the table here
0: oh I nice did. Did. yes so my so my middle son Diego Muster 2 he uh, got up to be a level 10 and then was a gymnastics coach then he did that oh, for wow. a job and then my youngest son Jacob um, he wanted to do uh, he did that for six years he was a state in North Carolina and then um so your
1: kids aren't athletic at all
0: no no not at all (laughs) but then he played football and then one day he and and i'm I'm gonna answer i have to explain all that why why i trained them then one day jacob actually just recently like seven months ago six months ago he said dad i want to learn to fight i said okay michael why right i always ask i would love everyone's quiet Mm. why do you want to why do you want to do that and uh if if my youngest son is is my Christ-like child. He's the one that makes me feel like I need to go to church more. And that's my, like, oh, my gosh, I'm a bad person type of yeah. child. He reminds me of that. Um, so I said, well, why, Michael Why do you want to? He goes, well, Dad, I've... Because my oldest son, who's in the 82nd now, he still trains. Yeah. I mean, as a matter of fact, Antonio's the last person to knock me out. Um, so, oh, yeah, it was a great, oh, great day. Um, so, oh. uh, he's a dad. Well, I've seen... Um, I've seen you and Antonio train, you know, and, and I wanna be able to protect myself and if I ever get good enough, I wanna be able to help somebody else out. So he was fifteen when he told me that. Yeah. Now that's why. If I could capture if I could mm-hmm. to answer that question, mm-hmm. that is why. I think everyone should be able to take care of themselves and then continue to build on that. I think we have a personal responsibility, uh, not just as, as Americans, but as human beings, to be able to take care of yourself. That means I'm not a burden on anyone else. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully I get to a position where I can help somebody else. And and, and that's why. That's yeah. why I believe combat sports are extremely important in in the youth of our nation, or just really anyone. Yeah. And you don't have to be a youth to start, right? There's no shortage of stories of people that don't start that till later on in life. Yep. But if you, do, if you don't accept the personal responsibility to take care of yourself, what does that say that about your... your, your about you as an individual, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, and and nothing against people with, uh, certain disabilities or anything like that. Um, No, definitely not. There's, But you know, there, there are certain things that everybody can do. Um, you know, I have certain things that are different for me. I don't like the word disabilities, but it's not going to slow me down. Um, but I just think that's why I do it. Yeah. Uh,
1: And, and not for nothing, but you know, People that have disabilities trained too. Absolutely. You know, like uh, Garrett Carnes is one of the Tim Kennedy's uh, sheepdog response instructors, and you know he doesn't have legs. You mm-hmm. know, but you might if you think you're going to have an easy role with him, like you will not. Right. You know, um, actually, Garrett Garrett without legs is very similar to regular Kelsey. <laughs> you know, just uh, Garrett. If you're listening, I that was a joke. I'm just no, no but you know. Um, For me, what I see in my kids is that doing combat sports gives them confidence and reduces anxiety. You know, if you actually train, you don't really worry about other people very much. Mm -hmm. And and listen, like, we can both get our butts kicked. Mm -hmm. The benefit of training is that you know that there are levels way higher than us. But you also know that you're probably not going to get your butt kicked by 95% of the human population because if, if they don't train, it's like they're children. Like, if, if, somebody, if I try to hit you and I'm not a boxer, you, it's like slow motion. You see exactly what I'm going to do. My head goes like this. I pull this arm back. I'm swinging wildly. You're not there anymore. You've already hit me three times. You know, similarly, like if somebody grabs you, you know, and tries to drag you to the ground and they've never wrestled. Yeah. Like, you're not getting to the ground unless you want to go there. And I think having that changes the way they carry themselves, changes the way they look at other people. Um, you know, and I, it's not just my boys. Like, you know, my daughter, who is 15, uh, just she was one of the first 16 women to qualify for the state championships in North Carolina in, in history uh, for wrestling. And you know, talking to her little brother, he's like, people are afraid of her at school, <laughs> and they should be. Yeah, you know, they sh- not because she's a bully or anything, but because mm-hmm. she can handle herself. Um, yeah. And I think that I think that's meaningful for kids. That's I, my take on
0: it. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, we started over the summer, right? So he was he, we were training like midday, but then when the school started, I said, Hey, Miko, this is my youngest son Jacob. I said, Miko, look. We're gonna to have to start training super early, which means you're gonna start getting up at four, four thirty in the morning so mm-hmm. we can train before school. Yep. Um, because I want you to focus on school afterwards. She's like, Okay, Dad. So we did that and that's where it was kind of like, all right, we did it during the summer. Let's see where your commitment level is when it's inconvenient, right? Getting yeah, up no one wants yeah. to get up at four thirty in the morning. No, but, I don't care what anybody no. says or not anybody, even Jocko. No not, I don't Jocko. care what anybody screams and like, no like Jocko like, takes the picture of the
1: it. watch, but he doesn't want to be
0: up. I either. don't think anybody does. But <laughs> I could be wrong. And vampires maybe, but um you know we, we started doing that and he committed to it and we guess what our day started at 4 four thirty in the morning get him and then we warm up and we train him for school and then so in november of last year um was driving him to school i said hey miko how do you how do you think the training's been going for you you know he never says no this kid is just he's just super stoic Child, yeah. and he's just do this, and he doesn't. He's like a robot, you know. I mean, and I'm like, no, correct this, and he'll do it, and then he corrects it. And he's, I, the, the kid is immensely talented. He's, yeah. he's, he's going he's gonna get, he's almost at the point where I'm gonna have to find someone else to train him because he's gonna far surpass any you. training yeah, abilities I, I have. I understand that. So, I said, Michael, how do you feel? How's school? School going? How do you, How's this affecting your school? Because you know, Dad, I, I, I feel better about going to school. I don't. Um, I'm not a. I'm not he didn't say scared he said uh, i'm not uh, i feel more comfortable at school i'm more engaged in school i don't worry about anybody uh, so to your point which you were just talking about this exactly what i mean he's 16 now and he feels more confident he's not really worried about it there's fights at his school sure. i mean there, yeah. there's fights yeah. at any school yeah. there's to kids says, there's gonna be fights. kids kids yeah. going to be kids um and he's more confident and his grades have improved Which is crazy, right? I mean, he's doing better. He's that. I'm engaged. I'm awake. I feel better. I feel more confident. That's that's what he said. I feel more confident. Do your kids compete? No. No. he, He... I... I don't want to push it on him again I just yep. want to train that yeah. and I think he might be wanting to so we'll, we'll figure that out yeah, you know yeah. he may he may want to just start boxing in some smokers did your, or, does
1: your oldest compete in jiu-jitsu
0: um no uh, my oldest he, he did boxing he competes he did uh he competed at the like the 82nd like oh, cool. uh, the smokers and things cool. like that but yeah. you know he's just he's not really pursuing any, any it's just it's just a lifestyle and that's what I've hoped to yeah. pass on to my children is a lifestyle of fitness and activity um, with with some combat sports in there because you know I'm, I'm I'll be 49 soon. I like to think I'm in pretty decent shape for a gentleman my age. Um, I mean you're in but, decent
1: shape for a 21 year old. But like honestly, we can't have you on the show again. It like but, it, it hurts you know, my feelings. People will ask
0: like, "Rod, how do you?" I'm like, "Look, man, I've lived this. Yep, this is this has been my life. Yeah, and I wanted to pass that on to my children. Um, it's not like I." You know, nothing against uh, anyone who's the success stories lost like 100 pounds and they're in a position where, no, I have lived like this yeah. my entire life. And you can talk to anybody that's known me, whether I was in uh, back, you know, a group or a- anywhere. I've always been like this, and I hoped to pass that on to my children. And, I'm you know, hopefully, it, you know, it'll carry on.
1: Do you think combat sports give kids something that other sports don't? I also do yes. other sports. Yes.
0: What do, you, what do you think that is? I think it gives them um, an inoculation to human nature and uh, the capacity of violence that all humans have. You know, it absolutely does. Mm. You know, there's Humans are, are capable of some of the most uh, horrendous acts possible. I'm not saying all humans, yep. but everyone is capable. Um, and I think combat sports kind of, I don't say inoculates them, but kind of introduces them to the fact like what violence is. Yep. And that goes to back what I was talking about earlier was, you know, I think you have responsibility to, you should think you should have responsibility to take care of yourself uh, in some fashion, at some level. Um, so combat sports can introduce them to that. And, and here's a, here's a, an example. So I was going through a course, um, it was a CQB course at, at um, as we used to called it Sephardic, but I don't think they have it anymore, but it was an HR CQB's course mm-hmm. that, that, I think uh, they renamed it. Yeah, they renamed it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah. when I was going through that, part of that, every morning you, you rolled and you fought and, um, you know, uh, and, and since then I've been in, you know, I've, I've gotten, in, I do jujitsu, I do kickboxing, I had to, like, I'm not just a boxer. I have to like, I understand boxing yeah. as an art, yeah, yeah. but the fight is different. And that's in the, in, in the army, I just like, okay, I, I need to change things. So we're safaric i remember you train and then and then you spar right they make everybody spar yeah. toward after some training and these are some of the most capable uh, operators out there these guys multiple deployments overseas just doing doing the work right um and then you punch them in the face yeah. and they've never been punched in the face yeah. it's a it's an eye opener it is a completely different eye op- um, experience for them and these yeah. are these are individuals that they're, like, ba- they're, badasses. They're, they're badasses. Yeah, they're badasses. But yeah, you yeah. punch them in the face mm-hmm. or, 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 or knee them in the gut or whatever it is kick them in the leg. Oh, my gosh, kick someone in the leg, right? Yeah. Um, man, they, they fold, and that's, I think that's that's a weakness, um, particularly for those that serve. Um, so I say that combat sports inoculates and gets people ready for that. In the eventuality, pray it doesn't happen. Yeah. That things get physical in their it, life.
1: It's surprising how fast violence happens. Yeah. That's the thing that always, I think, throws people off. Was like, you don't know when it's going to happen. Mm-mm. Like I've never started a fight in my life, but yeah. I've been in a few and I've never, I've, I've literally never seen them coming. And it's just like crap, here right. we go. And you have to immediately switch on. Like we're not, I'm not in this comfortable social situation anymore. It's now I'm. Now I'm fighting. Right like, here we go. And no. if you're not ready for that, mm-hmm. if you haven't had to turn that switch on, it's a problem. Yeah. And I also think you brought up something that was really interesting. There's like a there's a significant overconfidence to, with people that are very good with weapons. Um, that that is the answer. And I'm not saying that it's not important. Like you know, I mm-hmm. carry. Uh, I think I think it's important to know how to use a weapon. I think it's important to have one available. But in inside a certain range, it's not that valuable. And uh, we were at a course that Tim, was, uh, Tim Kennedy was teaching uh, for police. And this guy was adamant that he could – it was a knife training, what you have to do if somebody pulls a knife. And he was adamant that, like, I think they were seven feet apart or something, yeah. that he was going to draw and get this guy before he got stabbed – And he would not take Tim's word for it. So Tim got the shock knife, stood seven meters away, and was like, you say go. And the guy was like, go. And Tim stabbed him 31 times. Like, he literally got to him, stabbed him, held his gun hand, and just kept stabbing him with the shock knife. And the dude, like, his whole world melted. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it was wild. Yeah, I've, se- I've
0: seen videos, uh, we used to show those uh, out at Range 37, we used mm-hmm. to teach the, the distance videos with a knife. I mean, those yeah. are there's, there's, those videos have like, been around for a minute. But I think another, another thing, uh, being inoculated to violence, because uh, people that, like, let's just talk about, I'll talk about my community, right, SF guys, you know. Um, if things get physical, then what they're supposed to be doing, it's the difference between focused violence and blind aggression. Mm-hmm. This is something that I'm mm-hmm. just trying to. I'm try to figure out what the difference is. So, focused violence is far more effective than blind aggression, yep. right? Nothing against the spider monkey attack, right? That's, that's all. That's <laughs> all good, no good and well. But there's no strategy, <laughs> and what's your effectiveness? You're you're expending too much energy into something that probably won't return any any investment of of what you're trying to, to accomplish. So, there's blind aggression and then focused uh, focused violence. So, focused violence is okay. it Doesn't matter what's going on. I've been inoculated getting punched in the face or kicked in the leg. I still know. I still have my wits about me. Okay, that's not the end of the world. Yep. I still can focus on what it is I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Blind aggression. I'm not saying the guys in my community can't continue what they're they're doing if they've been physically assaulted in some fashion. But now their their uh, efficiency has diminished. Their capabilities have diminished. They're 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 not as good as they could as have they were. as they were. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's you know, and, and you look at it. I would. I I try to train uh, my sons to be focused violence like hey this is gonna happen but continue maintain your focus doesn't matter yeah. things that are going on but then blind aggression i get hit most fights ninety five percent of the population turn into the the windmill fight you yeah. know the yeah, screaming the, the yelling failing, and then and the, the more switch, chest pumping and, switching and, and gears like to
1: something that like I absolutely wasn't going to talk about and we neither of us are experts so don't feel feel like you have to answer but. You know, when you watch videos with police officers where things go bad Mm -hmm. and you've got a bunch of cops, like, wailing on somebody, I always think, like, it's an overreaction that comes from fear because they don't know how to move their bodies. Like, I watch some of these videos and I'm like, and, and I'm not one of these guys that thinks, oh, you roll jujitsu—that's the equivalent of being in a life-or-death fight with somebody that want doesn't want to be arrested. Like those are different things. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you know how to control somebody's body, you probably, in my opinion, you get in fewer of those situations. Like. Do you have any thoughts on that or do you, do you, yeah. if, if you don't want to touch this. Market. No, no, that's fine. No, I'll talk, I'll talk
0: about that. That's fine. Um, I'm not an expert, right? Yeah. This is my dos centavos, man. Yeah. My two cents, right? Yeah. So I, I, I 100% agree that. Dos centavos. Two cents. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, when you look at those videos of, of the, uh, you know, our law enforcement officers just going too far at yeah. times, you know, I think it's, it's rooted out of fear. And they don't know what they're doing unfortunately sometimes uh not to pass judgment on anyone it's just i think that's a lot of what is experience um they don't know how to control the situation they've never been in a situation like that you know i think a lot of the uh issues we face today are lack of training you know um to place these these men and women that that are serving their communities They, they're they not they're not properly. Uh, they're not given the tools necessary in today's environment and today's environment is far more um, aggressive towards law enforcement offers than it mm-hmm. was when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I was born in 74, man. I, remember that. I grew up in the 80s. Yep. Right. So um, nobody ever did anything. Yeah. You know, the police officer said something. OK, I'll do that. Were they always the best? No, but it's just things are different Today's Society, people. Are yeah, you generally to, listened. Like, you generally, you generally listen, listened,
1: right. and like my parents were like, you know, listen. If there's an issue, we'll deal with it later. Right. But like, don't. But now, people are like, I don't have to do that. Right. I and I'm not saying they're wrong. You know, mm-hmm. if if a police officer is wrong, like I understand where it comes from. That being said, you know, that's 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 a tough fight to it have. Is you absolutely. know it's a tough fight to have and um like i remember one time i got pulled over for speeding when i was a young lieutenant by a police officer that just lost his shit on me just absolutely lost it he was like you know like you know swearing like you know you don't you don't have respect for human life blah. and His partner came over about halfway through and kind of pulled him back and then explained to me that he had just pulled a dead kid out of a car like that day, Mm. like right before this. So that always made me think, you don't know where these officers just were when you're having this incident, whatever the whatever the interaction is like, you don't know what they just were going through. They might have just been assaulted they might have just had they might have been shot at they might have like you don't know yeah. you don't know what their background is so how you interact is always like i just always think i'm going to be the nicest person i possibly can be period mm-hmm. and if they're wrong like there is a process for There's dealing, a process, but, right. but yeah it's interesting all right i don't want to derail you no, too no, much it's fine. from that um is there anything else that you would like to talk about today before i go into some rapid fire oh, questions oh.
0: um hmm what would be good to talk about i mean sending your son to war after you've been war. oh man oh, that, all right I'll, man the air force guy just yeah got
1: here let me let me ask that in a profound way and then you can you can ask you can re, re, like come back at with the same question but in spanish in that <laughs> so <laughs> and I, I I know a little bit about this myself, but when when my son was like, I'm going infantry, after I told him, Don't go army, go Air Force, do a smart guy nerd job and he's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go infantry. There was a part of me that was very proud, like, and you know the deal. Like mm-hmm. doing the hardest job there is, following in the footsteps, et cetera. And then there's a part of me that's like i don't know man like i don't want you doing this stuff your son is currently in the 82nd following in your footsteps i have no doubt that at some point there'll be a packet and he'll be trying to go sf and you know how's that feel
0: um i think a lot of parents like like you just talked about nick and kind of feel the same way right especially if we've worn the uniform Uh, You know, my my father's a Vietnam veteran. My grandparents, you know, uh, World War II hombres. It's just apple trees make apples, right? We have to remind ourselves of that sometimes. So when my son chose to do that, I remember it was a a similar conversation when he was a a senior in high school that I had with my father. My father's experience was vastly different than mine. Um, Obviously, I didn't grow up in the military, but... My oldest son did. You know, I served for 21 years, uh, and his mom did as well. Mm-hmm. You know, God bless that kid for having two retired senior NCOs as, as parents. You know, Um mm-hmm. but he he was like, Dad, I, w- I wanna I wanna join. And I always knew he was going to that. Like I said, Tony's yeah. probably my clone. Yeah, probably yeah. my clone. Yeah. And uh, you know, I was like, Hey, Michael, let's try. I know you. Let's try and get you in the West Point prep, or let's just get cause, cause the officer yeah. out. because yeah. you know, yeah. officers live a completely different lifestyle right. than yep. the enlisted yep. do. Yep. Completely different yep. life and existence. So I'm like, yeah, Let's try and do that. He's like, oh, no, Dad, I, I I want to fight. I'm like, all right, mijo. So, you know, I've been at Bragg since 97. Uh, you know, I was a seventh group guy so yep, yep. I re- went to Swick and, and retired out of there. Um, and uh, um, I said, all right, mijo, uh, what do you want to do? It's on Airborne Industry. I'm like, Antonio, you grew <laughs> up in Fayetteville, North Carolina. You're going to come right back here. You're going to be in 82nd. He's like, that's what I want to do. I said, okay, mijo, we'll move. We'll, we'll, okay. You know, so him and his mother, um, you know, we, we sent him off and, um, you know, he came home and he was 82nd and right after he got to his unit, um, you know, they were on slated to go to deploy to Afghanistan, you know, he's a young E3, uh, he's just getting married. Uh, he just found out that, uh, you know, uh, they were going to have a baby like, yep. like right before deploy, deployed, like three weeks before he yeah. was deploying. I'm like all right we're okay we've lived this lifestyle right this is who we are you know mom you know i i know what it's like to to go to war and experience what i experience and i know it's like to be a spouse at home when i was married to kelly you know max wife now um you know uh, to stay home with the kids yep. i mean this is our lifestyle it's what we do this is the the responsibility we have in support of our nation um so then we're right there and the deployment ceremony at bragg typical you know at green ramp and the families are there whatever yep. and then i remember uh, he, he was going to the helmet province to perform the QRF mission, yep. uh, and the he, helmet province one was in inhospitable places on this planet. Yep. If you're an infantry guys, you the QRF mission, you're going to fight. That's it. Like yep. that's the nice way yeah, of saying liter- you're going to fight.
1: Literally every time you're right. getting the call, you're, you're
0: going, going to that. fight. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sitting there and, you know, I had deployed to Helmand province. His mother for, had deployed. For those of
1: you that don't know, uh, QRF is Quick Reaction oh,
0: Force. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I had been to the Helmand province, deployed there twice. Uh, his mother had been there, yeah, Kelly had been there twice as well. So we're watching our son deploy to the same region of Afghanistan that both her and I had served in to fight the same enemy. and. You know your like kids a, are my kid
1: are, yeah your kids are fighting the kids of the people right before, i mean like
0: and you know he was four years old his first memories are of the towers falling that's his yeah. very earliest as far back as he can remember and i'm sitting there and i'm like holy crap what's going on yeah. um man you know so i give him that that hug before he goes that hug of hope is what i call it you know praying that it's, it's not my last embrace uh just some hey be you know be careful yeah. uh yeah. i love you and you come home that's it. And, you know, he, he's, he's much taller, smarter, stronger, better version of me. I, I get it. Uh, so he turns around, he picks up his ruck, and he, he walks to, you know, where they're they're heading off, right, uh, to go to go to the bird. And all I see, you know, this big warfighter, you know, our nation's finest. right? You know, he grabs his ruck, he grabs his weapon, walks away, and all I see is a toddler. Right? Yeah. And, man, I'll tell you, uh, shit, that, like, broke me in half. It broke me in half. Um, it was like that. That, not in I almost sound like an uh, insensitive uh, spouse or ex-spouse, um, but that was the most difficult deployment of my life. The oh, one no, I didn't go have on. Any doubt. You know, not the ten I did. Not the ones I watched Kelly go on and me staying home with the kids, figuring stuff out. Right, uh, that right there. You I know, and, and watching him do that, I'm just like, I'm proud, but I'm scared because yep. I know what he's doing. I wish I didn't know what he was doing. Uh, seventh group was had the siege of Sodaf at the time, uh, so he gets in country. I got a call, you know, from one of the guys. Hey, is, is your son here? I'm like, yeah. why are you calling me? Yes, yes, he's there. Um, does he need anything? I don't know. Like, if something happens, I dude, I'm trying to be, I don't, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't, dude, call me. You're messing I don't me know, up. man. I don't You're know what's, me up right, right. right, yeah. right. Um, yeah. So that. You know, watching your child go to fight. So I can't imagine, and this is something I, I say as often as I can uh, um, to people to talk about the war we're in right now. Yeah, I can't imagine what it would have been like for my father to watch me graduate airborne school yep. and go fight the Viet Cong. Yep. Any more than I can imagine what it would it be like for my grandfather to watch my father finish his training and then go fight the Nazis or serve in the Pacific. But yeah. that's the reality today. And if you look at the numbers of served in the wars, you know, just the 20th and 21st century, you know, 11% of the population served during World War II, yep. 7% during Korea, 3, 3 4% during Vietnam, 4.3. you know, and the current conflict, you know, if you look at the numbers of those that have set foot in battle, you just are just over 5 million, yeah. you less, know, less in, in in yeah. tw- over 21 year war. Yep. I mean, yep. it's, it's astounding. So, you know, I, I, our nation, we have, you know, we've created a warrior caste. And, you know, when you talk about the percent of, people that serve if you look at you know less than one percent right now i look at the number Al- and
1: almost everybody that serves now almost not, not not everybody but a significant percentage have parents that serve
0: yeah absolutely you know,
1: and you know my you know my dad you know he's a vietnam veteran um he was a air force alo for first group so he had a he had a very active yeah. uh Vietnam experience and um, he kind of said to me like one day he's like you know like when when Jack was like I'm I'm joining the infantry he he was like man he his take is a little less positive at this point having lived a number of you know watch he just said man I just think at some point our family's done enough and I and what he he meant by that is like i remember he called exactly how iraq was going to go down the second it it went down like he he was like this is what's going to happen like before anybody was talking about it he said look you know we're gonna we're gonna roll through this country and we are gonna end up fighting a guerrilla war and i was like i was a young man i was like you know dad that's a different era we we've learned a lot <laughs> hmm. he was like okay 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 <laughs> and uh you know so he um he as an older older man just looks at the young people of the country as uh, an incredible valuable asset and worries about you know the decision making of politicians that maybe haven't been there and i think about that a lot and so you you as a person that has dealt with a lot of politicians Mm -hmm. you just talked about you know 11 percent 7 percent 4.3 percent less than one percent you see directionally where we're going fewer people in you know during world war ii just about everybody serving had served mm-hmm. in the military, and uh, everyone serving in Congress had served in the military. That's right. Now, it's a tiny fraction. It is, and people love wars that haven't been in wars. Yeah, people love to send kids to war because it feels righteous. Yeah. I worry. I worry very much about how we decide to go to war.
0: I think everyone should worry. Quite honestly you know if you don't have skin in the game how can you make a decision yeah. right like you, you, you know it, it's one of the reasons i think this effort that uh, you know i'm humbled to be part of uh, building this memorial is so important it's going to be in the nation's front line. they're going to see this every single day and provide an opportunity for them to see the decisions uh the outcome of their decisions hopefully those that will listen um will to see that but then it also gives us a place to gather to remind them, because right now, let's talk about what happened um, at Abigate a year and a half ago, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we lost 13 service members, you know, 11 Marines, uh, one, one corpsman and one uh, Army PSYOP guy. And the Army PSYOP guy um, actually was a friend of Antonio's. They deployed together in the 2504 during his first combat deployment wow. to Afghanistan. Wow! So that touched home personally as well, you know? Um, so anyway, where I'm going with that, there was a memorial that the Marines held together at the Iwo Jima, which is phenomenal but that's, that was the memorial of the Iwo Jima. Where do we gather? We don't have a place to gather. We don't, so why not do it here? I'm not saying like, thumb, thumb, you know, put, put it, rub it in their nose, but we need to do this to remind those in, in the House and the Senate, like, look, this is the outcome, and it is a very small percentage of, of families that are bearing the, the bulk of it. Um, I look at that 1%, and I don't think that shows a lack of patriotism, and I could be wrong, um, I look at that one percent and I'm profoundly proud that it only takes one percent. That should be the goal, right? Yep. It should be well, less than one percent find at 99 percent. but that means that that 90 percent, 99 percent, the duty that they all share to honor the service and sacrifice of that one percent needs to be increased. It need, need to be reminded, you know, unfortunately we're in a time in our society where it's normal to be at war. Yeah. You know a lot of our peers think the war is over. Yep. They do. They all do. I see a lot of them. You know, I'm not going to name them. I'm like, oh, the war's not over. It is not over. We are still out there well, and, and you doing know the work. There's
1: going, there There will be more attacks as a result. Absolutely. Of, you know, like it's never-ending. No, it, we, it we isn't. Have, we it have isn't. entered into a never-ending struggle. Absolutely. But also just in the history of mankind, we've never not had war. Mm-hmm. But going back to your point, I think that the danger – so I think we have the best military we've ever had. I mean, I think it's the best military that's ever been on the face of the earth. And I think it's better now by a wide margin than when I was in. You know, I think it just I think they keep improving Mm -hmm. contrary to what, you know, (laughs) people like to say. But the danger of having less than one percent of the population serve is is I think twofold. One, there is a distance from like most people don't know somebody that died in the war. Right? That wasn't the case in Vietnam. So that meant, for better or for worse, the nation was engaged in the war. The mm-hmm. nation has not been engaged in this war at all over the last, you know, first year, maybe the second year, during the surge. Outside of that, it's pretty much just been in the background, and people don't think about it. Mm-hmm. That's the first challenge. The other challenge is I think that we create a – a subgroup of people that worship troops too much. Like when I think about support, I would like the like, if we're going to war and that war is going to cost. let let's just arbitrarily say a trillion dollars, we need to lay aside $300 billion to take care of people that were grievously wounded, to take care of people that have that need to handle trauma you know, mental trauma, physical trauma, whatever. Like that has to be baked into the equation. Like to me, that's what care is. It's not lionizing people. And the reason I say I think it's harmful to be lionized, Um, I I think there are certainly people that should be lionized our our Medal of Honor recipients, for example. Um, But like the military did way more for me than I did for it. Like, I don't need thanks. I don't need I don't need anything, you know, and I'm not cool. Like, you're pretty cool. (laughs) But but even you like I've heard you say this, like you don't really want people going like, oh, you're the man. You're amazing. I want people to take care of people that need to be taken care of and to set them up for success as they're leaving. That's the investment that I believe the government owes veterans. And I want veterans to as most do, go out and succeed and not feel like society owes them something. Right. That's where, like, when I see people get in trouble, when I say trouble, like, you know, maybe they don't have the job they want, depression, suicidal ideation, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. That typically comes from, like, the difference between expectation and reality. If everybody's like, you're the best, you're the best, you're the best, you're amazing, you're a hero, "You're," and then it's like you you get it like you don't have what you think you have there's that delta becomes a problem yeah not I don't know how you feel about no that. i
0: i think you know we need to educate uh those that haven't served on their responsibilities, right, and that it's elected officials that all that needs to be part of it. I, I, can say, I, I really want to stress that, that I'm proud that it takes such a small percent, mm-hmm. and I, 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 agree with you, Armando. I mean, like they're they're far. I'm not one of those old guys that is going to look back and be like, oh man, we were better. Like heck, no, man. These we're guys not. are yeah, we are far more capable than I ever was. But um, you know, the, the responsibility is on us, and we need to remind everybody, whether they wear the uniform or whether they don't. We're still part of one team. Mm-hmm. We're still on the same team. You know, there's a term that's tossed around quite frequently that I, drives me nuts when I hear it because it's not true. The civilian-military divide. There's not a divide. If you want a snapshot of the 99% of our nation, look at the 1% that do. It's the same. The most diverse, inclusive, broad yeah. organization that exists the United States military. Hands down. I mean, I'll argue with anybody about that. Um, it is. Yep. So if you want a snapshot of the 99%, it's, it's, it's us it's those of us that have served so but I'd push I push
1: th- back and say there is a challenge with reintegration well
0: there is this is where this is where I'm going with this is I think there's a misunderstanding between the two I, I really think there's a misunderstanding the second those that served, the onus is on those of us that served as well as it is those that didn't serve to communicate and bridge that misunderstanding to talk about it and be like hey they, they, we're just everyday Americans you know I I 100 agree with you the lionization of in the 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 fetishization of, of the special operations particularly, you know, it's like, man, it's just gone a little bit too far in my, my opinion, but th- that's just this humble hombre's uh, viewpoint. But I, I really think that the responsibility lies within us, the veteran community as well, to express that and educate our own community and those that have the opportunity to engage the other 99%, to let them know like look we're not scary we're not we're not any different than you you know yeah. in spite of looking like a disney villain i'm still just a i'm just still <laughs> a, you know a
1: young jafar
0: a young jafar i'll take that <laughs> that was kind of a an a-hole but okay um but you know i i think it, i think it's between the two you know i think there there is a uh there might be an opportunity to divide uh, i'll go there but i just think there's a general misunderstanding you mm-hmm. know and and because we've been at war and it's normal and there's been such a disconnect from those that serve that hasn't served we're almost looked at as like and nothing against those families that believe that like how how, what do i have in common with these people what do i have in common think about a family in middle america if i if my family was to to we're gonna have a uh uh, you know carne asada barbecue with them and then i bring my family you know i mean what they're gonna be like oh what do I, you know what I mean? They won't look at us as a, as a family. They're going to look at us as, as, as a warrior family. And yeah, that's what we are. But I'm still a family just trying to have some carne asada with you and, and hang yeah. out. So yep. I think a lot of that has to do with the communication. But it has to be open communication and vulnerable yeah. communication. We have to be able to listen to both sides because vulnerability is the foundation of human connection. If I'm not vulnerable, if I don't put myself in a vulnerable position to listen to you openly and realize that like I may not like everything you hear or say, am I really trying to communicate with you?
1: Awesome. On that note, <laughs> Mission Barbecue has been a huge help to you as you've, you know, tried to make this memorial a reality. Can you talk about their contribution and, and maybe how that fits into the greater veteran community?
0: Absolutely. So, you know, getting people to get involved with the foundation has been a challenge because it requires a visionary, it requires people to visionary view, right? So, um, uh bill and newt you know uh, uh bill kraus and, and and stephen newton the, the co-founders of mission barbecue approached me and they're like hey rod we, we want to help and this is this is what we want to do we see, we've been watching what you've been doing and, and we want to help and i'm like oh my gosh I, I didn't even reach out to them but they they reached out to us and um they did it in such a phenomenal fashion that they're like hey this is what we this is, who, this is what we want to do and this is how we're going to do it um and they did they through the sale of their hero cups they've um, you know they've raised almost, um, uh, let's see, uh, almost three million dollars wow. in the past two years. Are you serious? Right. So that means they sold one point five million cups. Um, and now let's talk about that that money and, that and what we use it for. Passing the bills not easy. Yeah. Uh, keeping th- keeping the lights on and bringing the people in here to do this is 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 not is not something that's that's uh, uh, affordable, right? Yeah. Um, this is a very if if you. To talk about some price tags of some of these memorials you know so the world war ii memorial was almost 200 million dollars um Luther wow. king was 120 million dollars those were built you know almost 20 years ago so oh, you do the math right i had no idea right so in in our infancy when when uh, they stepped in you know it was it was uh, you know it was hand of the lord in, in my opinion you know and i i say this also i can this we would not we would not have passed that bill it will, if it was not for Mission Barbecue. We would not be where we are if it was for Mission Barbecue, because the second bill that we passed was to get an authorization to build this memorial within the reserves, what people call them mall. So in 2021, we introduced the bill to get uh, another bill. Like, I'm not a politics guy. I don't like passing bills. I don't like dealing, I just not me. But yeah. in order to get this memorial built where we feel it belongs, alongside the other existing memorials, we had to pass another act, you know, get, get exemption from other federal law. And we were able to do that. And it's because Mission Barbecue stepped in. Otherwise, this memorial is going to be pushed to who knows where, yeah. in the fabric of the city between office buildings, maybe like where the Eisenhower Memorial is, is behind the Air and Space Museum. Um, World War One Memorial is beautiful. Uh, it's over in Pershing Park, and I think it's, it's suitable. But they're not—they're not going to get the foot traffic or visibility yeah, that, is, that, that is this wild. is necessary. So. Um, Mission Barbecue stepped in and I say this is, the, this is who I will tell people this will be the, the memorial that, that Barbecue built you know good old American Barbecue and, and Mission Barbecue they're phenomenal what they do they serve their local communities um, if anybody's not familiar with them uh, I strongly urge you to to look into who they are and the corporate culture that they built. They really believe in servant heart leadership. Um, they this impact. Is the, a,
1: this is the best non ad ad that Mission <laughs> <barbecue> has. <laughs> well, ever it's easy to it's seen. easy to tell the truth. Like,
0: I mean, they're 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 phenomenal. I mean, they got another one open up next week in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Uh, just I could not say enough good. And and has and it, you know, they could have wrote a check for one hundred thousand yeah. dollars to us, and I say the same thing. You know, they're. They are doing um, some pretty amazing things in their local communities, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing them grow. All
1: right, Tom and Teresa, like at this moment in the podcast, I want like a Mission Barbecue, like <laughs> emblem right here, and I want the like. Oh! <laughs> All right, wow. That's awesome, man. That is, that's incredible. And now it's time for the Warrior Rising Veteran Entrepreneur of the Week. Warrior Rising is the preeminent veteran entrepreneurship charity in the galaxy. Warrior Rising provides education, mentorship, grants, and more to veteran entrepreneurs. No one helps build more successful vetrepreneurs than Warrior Rising. Each week, Warrior Rising selects one vetrepreneur to feature in our program. Here's this week's. As many of you know, I kind of invented the whole veteran apparel company thing. And for that, I wanna say, I'm sorry. I kid. I loved it. I love you guys for supporting me and I loved the journey it took me on. And now I want to introduce you to the next generation of military fashionistas, Triple Nickel. Triple Nickel is a veteran-owned apparel company with a social focus. Their brand stems from the 555th Parachute Infantry Battalion, the first all-black airborne battalion. Their designs deliver powerful messages with urban style. They've got a very different look and feel from the old-school brands, and that's a good thing. It's important to make your own stuff. Their apparel is made with high-quality materials to ensure it will stand the test of time. Whether you're shopping as a veteran, a military spouse, or a supporter of the armed forces, they've got exactly what you're looking for. Be the inspiration, be the trendsetter, be the amplifier. Visit triplenickel.com. That's T-R-I-P-L-E-N-I-K-E-L dot com. All right, rapid fire questions. Uh, And you guys can feel free to throw out some rapid fire questions as well. But we'll start with the classic. What is the toughest animal that you could beat to death in hand-to-hand combat
0: probably a medium-sized dog a medium-sized dog yeah i think i could take a pit bull i think really i think i could like a even
1: a cojo
0: that's not a medium-sized dog dog? that is a huge dog. anything over 120 pounds i'm not sure if i'm gonna win that one yeah
1: that was a like that was a pretty reason we've had some wild answers people really think they can take some some wild animals you know
0: I think I could do medium. I
1: think my tough, like if I had a good day, I think I could do adolescent uh, black bear. <laughs> adolescent, adolescent, not a five hundred pounder. We're talking a couple hundred pounds. A couple hundred pounds. You know, mm. that that would be like peak. I think it'd depend on the claws. That'd be I peak mean, you get maybe. one good in on
0: they your get, karate, you're yeah. done, dude. Yeah. yeah. Is there know?
2: some strategy at all behind this, or are you just throwing out what you think you can maybe get your hands around for?
0: I feel like dog. You're giving up an arm. You know. You're, I mean, yeah, but if I give given, up an arm, then I can. But I can get the rest of it. I always you know, think there's, like, the, there's no tool on the dog that is going to take me out immediately unless I just like come out yeah, of yeah, my take, neck. Take, right? Take That's not going to happen.
1: I feel like you give up the left arm, and, and just, then I'm thinking like control the body and try to break its back against a tree or something.
0: No, I'm digging out eyes first. Oh, you're going out. for the I'm eyes. I'm digging out eyes, and I, then I, it's can can I going to go. I
1: think I could. Kelsey, Kelsey, Kelsey. Whose show is this? <laughs> <laughs> right did entire. you just say a great white shark?
2: <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, one because. I this is
1: lucky. the most ridiculous thing. This is more ridiculous <laughs> than the dude that thought he was going to take out a honey badger.
2: I, well, that was very far fetched, but this one I think is pretty realistic. And I say this because if you've ever seen Deep Blue Sea, LL Cool J taught me exactly how to fight a shark and it, to escape with my life. You just punch it in its nose.
1: It doesn't work.
2: Well, have you tried it? Yes. That will be our next show We'll go swim with sharks
1: I I I went shark diving in South Africa And uh, it does nothing to them Touching their nose does nothing I was in like a terrible cage It wasn't like a National Geographic cage (laughs) It was like a chicken wire cage And like they had a dude that had like a prod That was like whacking them Mm -hmm. So that they wouldn't like get to Yeah, it was not a safe environment Anyway
2: This is the problem with film
1: Yeah, yeah LL Cougie Cool, eh. LL Cool J is gonna get you killed. You could I not so. take a great white shark. I'll That's so. really—they're 4,000 pounds.
2: I'll let you know the day. I I'm actually
1: office. offended right now. I'm <laughs> offended. I've never been offended in my life, and right now I'm like—in Kelsey's mind, she's got like a saddle across the shark, and she's like <laughs> riding That's it into the exactly sun. That's exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking that
2: the exact scenario of Deep Blue Sea. Like it's gonna happen. This yeah. Scene, it, it probably, yeah. It yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> You can restart your life right now. You're going to lose all your memories. You're going to lose everything that you know, but you can keep one skill. What is it?
0: I think it would probably be my skill to be able to defend myself.
1: That's a good one. Uh, worst combat sports moment of your life? Most embarrassing
0: or most terrible? Getting knocked out by my son. That's brutal. Yeah, he was 16. We really like were yeah. supposed to be body sparring and you know, him being the Muay Thai fighter, he, I went down from body and he caught me with a knee. And, and I wake up, and he, I was like, am I okay? He goes, Dad, you were snoring. I'm like, okay, I was knocked out. So that's that's mine.
1: <laughs> Best combat sports moment of your life?
0: Um, actually watching my son spar. So I showed up at the rock gym because uh, he, he started training there when he was 13 or 14. And uh, I was teaching at the sniper course at range 37 at the time. So I, they all sparred at the end of the training. So I walk in there, and I see Antonio just whooping up on this dude, just beating the heck out of this guy and then you know i was show up last 30 minutes to watch and you know st- sit there and watch and uh um they finish and they go over and then i happen to look at him and the guy he's beating the hell out of just happened to have been one of my students that i was training that was training at night so then uh, you know they go over there and antonio you know goes to get his stuff and then the guy comes hey rod how you doing i go hey man he goes you training here i go no i'm actually I'm actually here to pick up my son. And then Antonio walks up, hey, Dad, I'm ready. I'm like, all right. And he knows he just got his butt kicked by my son. Yeah. And he looks at me and goes, yeah, I saw it, man. I, <laughs> and I'm going to tell everybody tomorrow. So, <laughs> that's my, uh, my best. And it's not that's, even me fighting. it's watching my son beat, beat the heck out of a, a uh-huh. Green Beret.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. If there was one thing that you could change about America instantly, like you're the, you're the, the god for one moment that you think would make the country better what would that thing be
0: if i could change one thing like instantly here here in the united states i think uh it would be that i would instill into each american the belief um that they have something to offer this nation and the desire to do whatever that is with. I'm not saying everyone should join the military, but it might just be volunteer to soup kitchen. It might be something. I just think I would like to instill a little bit more pride in our citizenry. Uh, that's a word, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Nailed in, it. In who they are. How as... do you say
1: citizenry? En uh, español.
0: No sé. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Come <laughs> um, on, man. I don't know, sorry, <laughs> lo siento. Um, I, I, would, I would have Americans be uh, have a little more grace and, and realize what they have. Um, and, and that's two things, you said one thing, but I just, not, not pride to the point of like craziness, mm-hmm. but just the, the realization that they have something to offer. And this is the beautiful, uh, the beautiful nation that it is, You know, in spite of our flaws, if you look outside the borders, any flaw you point out that this nation has, exists tenfold in every other nation outside our borders.
1: If one state in the in the union was going to get absorbed by another state because it just is the least cool state, what state would that be?
0: Mm, man, I'm probably gonna offend a bunch of people. Um, well, you'll offend <laughs> one state. <you> know, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 like, no, yeah, no, 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 yeah. Right. Um, you know, I. You
1: can't give a. Well, wussy it's got be answer. the least. Shit. You can't give a wussy answer. No, no, yeah. no, it can no. Be any state you want. Can, one state the least gets, cool like, state. like, we're not kicking them out of America. No, 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 just, no. But they just, just not going to be a state, a state, state anymore. anymore. Yeah, which state is
0: it? Oh my gosh, it would probably be like one of the unknown states. Like, why do we have a North and South Dakota? Like, why do we have that? I don't know. Like, I would probably. <laughs> I mean, they're I both pretty I least. I, they're probably both pretty least cool. So I would like merge those ones.
1: Into into what would the new state be called?
0: The Dakotas, I don't know, or even with North and South Carolina, I'm like, why whoa, do we? Whoa, have that? whoa, whoa,
1: whoa! Hey, <laughs> <laughs> look, I, I, I've, I've, lived, I've lived there for a long time too, man. I'm
0: like, I understand the differences, but like, I just think like probably the Dakotas, man. Like, why do we have a North South Dakota? And I'm like I said, so and that, I hope that's not like I'm not trying to yeah. give a wussy answer. I'm just saying like I don't understand the And it's a cool name. The, the, Dakotas. the Dakotas, Yeah. I would do that. Leave the Carolinas Kansas, alone. Yeah, we don't need to be. All right. <laughs>
1: Well, with that, sir. I got one rabbit. Hole. Oh God, Mercer always like his timing is terrible, right? Like <laughs> his you timing did that is terrible. Five ago, yeah, like like, like we. I was waiting for him to finish. Yeah, yeah. That's when we I were we're, we're having him. like a deep discussion, and Mercer's like, "Yeah, one time I, that happened to me. I like, hey, thanks, Dan. That was extremely <laughs> helpful. You know? No, Dan, please ask your question.
0: No, okay. no, no I want. No, I we is, want throw you
1: a to paper over or under when you put it on the roll.
0: Over. Over, that's what the experts do. That's what experts do at the the hotels, right? Those are the experts, over. Exactly. It's over. Yeah. I, I had to settle oh.
1: this debate. We have someone in our office. Oh. I notice every time I go to the bathroom, someone's changed it back. And I'm wondering who the monster is. It's Tom, Tom Hunt. Oh. And here's yeah. the thing, I looked up the first drawing of the toilet paper when it was invented, over. Over.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, so with that, now that Mercer has interrupted us for the last time. And all right, so very quickly, Rod, thanks so much for being on the neutral position. It was a pleasure to have you on. Insightful, as always. Uh, You remind me of a young Jafar. I mean, what else (laughs) can I say? What else can I say? Kelsey, if you could duck real quick so that everyone can see the neutral position with Nick Palmashano.
0: Thank you. Thank you, I Appreciate it. Gracias.
1: Gracias
0: a ti.